welcome to this month's CSF podcast, as ever aiming to keep you up to date with the latest information and data coming out in the field of rheumatology. As I always say, one of the most exciting in the area of clinical medicine globally. Now, today's podcast, I'm going to review two papers from rather well-known and respected colleagues in the rheumatology space. First uh, comes from Maxine Dugados and colleagues and sheds some more light into the findings from the oral surveillance trial in comparison to those seen in Tofacitinib clinical development program. And, and in the second paper, uh, Kevin Winthrop and his colleagues continue to report on safety by providing us with the latest findings from their review into opportunistic infections associated with JAK inhibitor treatment for rheumatoid. And as always, if you want to look into the details, look at the summary slides, look at the papers, abstract explanations, go to cytokinesignaling.com. That's cytokinesignaling, all one word, Com. Okay, paper number one, impact of cardiovascular risk enrichment on the incidence of major adverse cardiovascular events in the tofacitinib rheumatoid arthritis clinical program. Now, the oral surveillance trial found that patients with RA aged more than or equal to 50 years with more than or equal to one additional cardiovascular risk factor had an increased risk of major adverse cardiovascular events, MACE, and that was with tofacitinib as compared with TNF inhibitors. So the TNF inhibitor arm was the reference. A post-talk analysis indicated that the increased risk of MACE with TOFA as opposed to TNF inhibitors was primarily in patients with a history of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, and that is pre-existing coronary artery, cerebrovascular or peripheral artery disease. And the excess risk of MACE was not identified in the wider tofacitinib RA clinical trial program, which consists of 21 phase 1 to 3b and 4 and two long-term extension studies collectively in this paper referred to as P123LTE. Slips off the tongue, doesn't it? Oh, that's what the authors decided to call it. P123LTE. Because of this disparity, and to better understand the results from the oral surveillance versus P123LTA, Maxim and his colleagues first of all applied the oral surveillance CV risk enrichment criteria to the P123LTA datasets, um, and that was patients who'd received at least one or more tofacitinib doses to create a CV risk enriched P123 long term extension cohort. And this included 7,964 patients. And of these 3,125, that's just about 40%, were included in the P123 long-term extension CV plus group. And secondly, once the cohorts had been established, MACE incidence rates were assessed in all patients and separately in patients with and without a history of ASCVD in the P123 long-term extension and P123 long-term extension CV plus groups. So what did they find? Well, assessing baseline risk profiles, it was noted that the proportion of patients with a history of ACVD was higher in oral surveillance than in the CV risk-enriched TOFA clinical trial program. Um, so it was 15% in oral surveillance and 8% in this particular new constructed cohort, or the overall tofacitinib clinical trial program, uh, which had a 4% uh, rate. Otherwise, baseline CV risk profile for the P123 long-term extension CV enriched group was similar to that of oral surveillance. Mean baseline disease activity was high across all cohorts in all patients, and MACE uh, uh, events were highest in oral surveillance, 
followed by the P123 long-term extension CV enriched, and then PT123 long-term extension total. Separating the patients out into those with a history of ASCVD and those without patients without a history of ASCVD were compared in both studies, and the instance rates for MACE were found to be similar. When comparing patients without a history of ASCVD differences, comparing the P123 LTA CV plus group and oral surveillance, it's kind of difficult to interpret due to the very wide 95% confidence intervals. So let me pull all of this together. Well, just to recap, in oral surveillance, markedly higher MACE IRs were reported in tofacitinib-treated patients with a history of um, ASCVD than in patients who had CV risk factors but no history of ASCVD. And excess risk of MACE with tofacitinib versus TNF inhibitor was apparently primarily occurring in those patients with a history of ASCVD. Conversely, data from the wider tofacitinib clinical trial program did not indicate increased risk of MACE compared with placebo or biologic DMARDs. However, the comparative analyses were limited by smaller samples and shorter exposure than oral surveillance and were not enriched for cardiovascular risk. The results presented here by Maxime Dugados and his colleagues in their letter to the BMJ suggest that an important difference between the wider TOFA clinical trial program and oral surveillance was the proportion of patients with a history of ASCVD. 4% in the trial program, 15% in oral surveillance. So whilst the mechanism and generalizability of these findings requires further study, they do provide important context regarding cardiovascular safety tofacitinib in patients without a history of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Interesting work. I, th I think this is still on the watch, this space, but we're going to see this play out over the next uh, few months. The second paper um, talks about opportunistic infections associated with Janus kinase inhibitor treatment for rheumatoid arthritis. Now, this is a structured literature review. Um, background here, well, I guess you're all very aware JAK inhibitors have made a, a very significant impact in the management of rheumatoid arthritis. They now appear in numerous recommendations and guidelines around the world. Uh, the, the, the emergence of opportunistic infections associated with use of JAK inhibitors has been reported. So according to a 2015 consensus group, uh, opportunistic infections may be described as indicator infections in the context of a specific targeted therapy. And they're defined as follows, the presence or specific presentation of a pathogen that suggests a higher likelihood of an alteration in host immunity. That is the, the functional nature, if you like, of host immune, uh, immune system. So given their widespread use in management of RA, any increased risk of opportunistic infection with JAK inhibitors is probably quite relevant to their safe use in clinical practice. And this uh, SLR was conducted to summarize reports of opportunistic infections associated with JAK inhibitors uh, in the context of clinical trials in people with rheumatoid arthritis. So the key results are as follows. The exposure adjusted incidence rate per 100 patient year for herpes zoster was 12.3 for upadacitinib 15 milligrams. Uh, that was select sunrise in Japanese population and ranged from 3.8 to 4.4 for pefacitinib 150 milligrams, 5.8 to 8.3 for pefacitinib 100 milligrams and 1.1 for uh, to 2.3 for tofacitinib 5 milligrams BD. The EAIR per 100 patient years of herpes zoster was also reported for placebo and active comparators 
was 1.7 with adalimumab and 2.6 with etanercept in double-blind period of randomized control trials. The EIR of opportunistic infections, all comers, if you like, and tuberculosis was 0.1 per 100 patient years each with tofacitinib, 5 milligrams BID, in the oral sequel study. Um, pneumocystis carinia pneumonia, uh, 3.9 uh, per 100 patient years was reported with higher unapproved dose of paracitinib, 30 milligrams. Say that again, the unapproved dose, 30 milligrams of paracitinib, but not with lower doses of paracitinib, 7.5 milligrams or 15 milligrams once a day. There were higher rates of opportunistic infections noted in Asian and Australian populations compared with the global population. And higher rates were also noted with increasing dose of JAK inhibitors in most clinical trial data. I guess that's intuitive. Higher doses start to bring in broader inhibitory profiles in terms of effect to immune function. So what do we take from this? Well, I, I think the review, it, it's an interesting read, comes from an authoritative and, and careful group. Uh, it shows varied incidence of opportunistic infections among RA patients exposed to JAK inhibitors. Herpes zoster was the most common uh, event reported among RA patients using all currently approved JAK inhibitors in clinical trials. Tuberculosis, uh, pneumocystis and candidiasis are less common and other opportunistic infections, for example, cytomegalovirus, cryptococcus, um, coccidio, aspergillosis, listeria uh, are really quite rare. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be vigilant, but they're, they're rare events. And more long-term safety studies in the real world setting are needed to compare the risk of OIs between various JAK inhibitors. So I, th I don't think we can be calling one drug out against another at the moment. In addition, the results of this literature review have clear implications for screening programs and preventative strategies where screening is not appropriate. The risk of zoster should always be considered before starting a JAK inhibitor. I think we should be counseling our patients about the risk of herpes zoster with treatment and a history of prior infection and immunization status should always be sought. And surely after COVID, we're all thinking vaccine status with pretty much every patient we see. So uh, I hope that was helpful. As always, if you want to look at the publications uploaded this month and access our other podcasts and resources, head across to cytokinesignaling.com. It's a great resource. It's a great read. Um, I have to say the slide decks are absolutely fabulous. I commend them to you. And I always thank you for your attention. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you think by leaving a review. And of course, please stay well, stay healthy. And the very best of luck in the treatment of our patients. Thank <laughs> you.